All right, everybody, gather around. This is your old pal Sparkplug Witwicky's guide to telling an Autobot from a Decepticon. Now, I know you've got questions. We've got these giant robots that are on our planet for the first time. My son and I have been dealing with them for about three days now, but we believe that they are very good friends of ours that we have known forever. Now, how to tell an Autobot from a Decepticon. First and foremost, if it turns into a car. If it turns into a car, nine times out of ten, that's an Autobot. If it turns into something else, like a boombox or a plane, well, those are probably going to be a Decepticon. There are exceptions to that rule, but we'll get into that in the 202 class. This is 101 here. Uh, much like we're on episodes 101 to 107 to 104, I don't know numbers anymore. Uh, Chip, come help me out here, because we're talking about Transformers episodes 4, 5, 6, and 7 here on More Than Meets July. Hello, Miles. How are you, buddy? Doing pretty good. How you doing, Drew? I am doing just fine trying to replicate all the <laughs> the northeastern accents that are all over our Transformers here in these episodes, which I ha found especially funny in these episodes here tonight. I wish we had some Minnesota nice in there. <laughs> yeah, there, there needs to be a Minnesotan Transformer like, well, sure, they are prime. Oh, yeah. Uh yeah, like couldn't they have like a a kind of uh, Arctic themed one, like like a snowplow that that had that kind of accent? <laughs> oh yeah, Prime. Yeah, they're uh, those Decepticons there. Yeah, I'm I'm offending every Midwestern uh, <laughs> uh, uh, listener. We have all all four of them. Um, how you doing, dude? I love Transformers. Um, yeah, it's it's so funny because like there I, I said last week that, you know, Transformers is never quite my thing, but I should have had an asterisk on that because, while I did follow the cartoon some. I love the toys. And as Drew can attest, because we've been talking back and forth about this for the last 20 minutes and texting back and forth about this for the last week, we have both been just kind of trolling the Internet for one some white whales and also just like transformed figures that we do not need to spend the amount of money that they cost on <laughs> yeah as i mentioned on our on the cosmic crit discord that miles and i are both uh, uh members of and having a lot of communications in the more nerd section there my transformers viewing experience so far is watch for five minutes pull up amazon and look for transformers toys Decide that those are too expensive and that I really shouldn't spend any money on those. Watch for three more minutes, pause, and then look at more Transformers. What does Targets have? What does Walmart have? What does this site have? And yeah, that's been my experience. It's taken me six hours to watch a single Transformers episode because I keep getting distracted by looking at the toys. Um, and speaking yeah. of speaking of I this, hate I hate that I know the name of the knockoff line, too. Yeah, yeah. Um so I do want to say uh, for folks that were listening last week, we discovered that there was an issue with Discord uh, that has been happening the last couple of weeks, and it impacted us pretty heavily last week. The episode felt off and I feel bad about it. And uh, we just had and we this one may feel off, too. We're trying to figure out what's going on with our recording. So, again, we're all remote and all of that. Um, I just want to apologize because. It wasn't our best showing for something that I love very much. And hopefully we have that worked out this week. Uh, we're going to try. We're going to see. But we shall see. So apologies. Just understand that that was not us being bad podcasters. That was us getting thrown right. off by weirdness with our audio and weird lag, making it sound like Miles didn't hear me. And then uh, so I start talking because I'm trying to cover a gap. And then he starts talking because he's finally heard me and isn't answering the question. It was uh, not fun, but I also I started to try to start talking when you were ending a sentence. So it, uh, the problem wouldn't be as bad. <laughs> and yeah, so yeah, just it was th th that it adds a weird energy and we hate that it does that because uh, I mean, especially Drew, 
Um, you know, takes pride in the the audio quality of our show. He always has, and he's always been the one to kind of steer us when things weren't sounding that great. So, you know, it's it's not something that we can necessarily avoid at the moment. Um, if this continues to be a problem, you know, we're gonna have to look for alternative means to uh, record the show because we record other shows. And haven't had a problem, so <laughs> yeah. it we we know we know exactly what the problem is. We just were hoping that, um, and we weren't alone because Drew said some other podcasts were having similar troubles last week, almost identical to what we were having. Uh, they they were having issues with video more than audio, but we were having issues with both. There have been updates to the piece of software that we're using, so fingers crossed that will solve the problem. But we shall see. Now. Let's get into talking about these Transformers because we have four episodes to talk about and there is going to be some stuff that I have been looking for a platform to talk about for years now and I'm so excited. I'm so excited. Uh, so let's get into episode four. Transport to Oblivion. After months in hiding, and this is the first episode after the initial three episode pilot series that was produced and then aired. And then these episodes came later. So there's been a little bit of a gap in production uh, since then. So after months in hiding, the Decepticons who have been thought to have been defeated and at the bottom of the oceans on earth return and have a new method for moving energon cubes to Cybertron, something called the space bridge, which is a magical light beam teleporter that also seems to move locations even though you need two spots at the same time look don't look at the man behind the curtain <laughs> <laughs> uh, but miles i have a so 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 this episode introduces the capability that the the decepticons have to send things to and from cybertron so right. this is where i have a question for you miles when you okay. have a tv show like this what do you think mm -hmm the capability to move to and from Cybertron would mean. More and new Transformers. OMG, baby, you got it. Uh, and uh, though we, we, we don't have any new ones coming to the coming to the, the, the show this time, we are introduced fairly early on to a Transformer known as Shockwave. Oh, shockwave, not sound wave, shockwave. Is he like a clone of Soundwave? No, because he, in, in fact, looks very different. <laughs> so shockwave is a, a big purple dude. If you look at his his toy and he will he will be a pretty big. Uh, he's kind of Megatron's. Lieutenant in charge of the stuff that's on Cybertron while he's still back on uh while, while megatron's back on earth uh he is voiced by voice actor Corey burton who is also known for being like half of the transformers uh he's he's uh uh he's sunstreaker he's uh which is the he's the voice of spike uh witwicky um he's also a bunch of characters in the clone wars like he's He's Count Dooku in the Clone Wars, which may be why. Oh, rad. Yeah, maybe why you you recognize his voice. Um, Shockwave is. I do want to pause for one second and and take a second to appreciate something that this show does that almost no American made show in the eighties does, and that is this starts with a reference to a prior episode. This this refers to the miniseries with. Megatron at the bottom of the ocean, but throughout the episodes that we watch, certain things that have happened are referenced to in subsequent episodes. There's there is a, a ongoing story, and this is kind of revolutionary for American cartoons because outside of Battle of the Planets, which is a Japanese dub, a Japanese anime dub, and Robotech, which is a Japanese anime dub, you don't get that in American cartoons. Not really. At this time. They started doing that like, later on in G.I. Joe which again was the same right. company, but we have the, the space bridge that is introduced in this episode shows up in so many episodes after this, but I do want to talk about shock. I was, I was so impressed by that fact. 
Uh, I, I want to talk about Shockwave because this is a weird, this toy is weird. And if you look up what Shockwave looks like in his, his original incarnation, he basically looks like a space gun. In fact, he made yeah. he made noise. He had this big thing. He lit up and made noise. Um, I I uh, I inherited one of these when my cousins outgrew it. I've always been a fan of Shockwave and his weird kind of kind of head with the one eye on it. Um, and I'm holding it's in very my hand cyclop, a cyclopean look to it. <laughs> I'm holding in my hand a a newer version of Shockwave from the Alternators line. This is my favorite Transformer toy that I'm holding in my hands. Uh, because I've always loved Shockwave's look. He's purple. He's awesome. He's cool. Um, interestingly enough, the original Shockwave is not one of the Diaclone toys. He was a licensed toy by a Korean company called Toyco. And this happens. Interesting. This happens a few times in the original Transformers when Hasbro needed anything that could transform. So they picked up literally anything that could transform that they could get the rights to and shockwave just happened to be one of them um the the shockwave toy that i'm holding right now um known as shock blast in the alternators line uh but if you look at his little license plate in the car he's a mazda rx8 and he's purple and uh and he's got the classic shockwave head he's got the the shockwave like laser arm that he has and uh this is a gift uh, one of the first gifts that my wife ever gave to me when we were dating and uh that probably factors into why i love it so much and i don't know that she knows this, that it means that much to me but it does and uh this is what these kind of toys do like i this thing is sits I, I don't have a lot of transformers around my area all the time but the ones i do have like this shockwave are just ones that that I really like. And uh that's just a little it's just a little side trip down the the Transformers <laughs> rabbit hole before we get back into uh talking about transport to oblivion. So this this episode still I'm going to be honest still feels a little like we felt about the first trilogy. There's a lot going yes. on, but it's it feels a bit more like a toy commercial. It doesn't feel quite that great. It's a little it's a little long for me. Uh, so this particular episode, this it repeats some of the problems that I, I have um, and, and will continue to have. But there are some things I like. I like the fact that it, the animation in this particular episode, Spike looks like Amuro Ray from Gundam. It is so... specifically when he's in inside jazz, like cruising at the beginning of the episode, the the actual face artwork looks so much like Amro Ray from Mobile Suit Gundam. All right, we're going to we're going to have a deep cut uh, conversation right now, gang. So buckle up, because this is going to I'm talking to the Gundam fan community right now. One of the things that the Gundam fan community is annoyed by oftentimes jokingly sometimes seriously is that any time that a gundam thing comes up it is referred to by the american media as a transformer because those are the giant robots that americans know because they don't know gundam makes sense like recently when the new moving rx 78 gundam statue in japan that will actually like move and kneel and all this stuff was unveiled Around the world, not just America, but around the world, there were headlines like move over Transformers. Here's the new thing. And it's bothersome. So this is where things are a little weird in my house, because, yes, I love Transformers. Uh, Most of my Transformers collection is in my house and my children play with them. But my children don't know the Transformers via the cartoon they know what they have seen in the toys and but my my son has watched most of the original uh, gundam series with me we watched it together he had a good time we watched it where we were building models it was awesome and i'm watching the transformers sitting on the couch on my laptop and my son looks over at me and he's just looking at the screen it's like Daddy, are you watching Gundam? What Gundam is this? It's like, 
it's not Gundam, son. It's Transformers. <laughs> but, but but weren't you proud of your son just a smidge? Like when like he saw that face and was like, wait a minute, are you what? watching Gundam? And he he literally said out of his mouth, was like, oh, I thought that was Amaro. And I was like, yes, my son. And and he does. He he I mean, because I I said this drew independent of the knowledge that this happened in his household. <laughs> yeah. So it was extremely funny that that happened because it does look exactly like Amro. Um, but as far as the rest of this episode, I mean, I what bothers me, I think, so far about Transformers is how inept the Autobots are at virtually everything. Uh, uh, the and Spike are the worst spies every every nothing nothing works out but everything works out that's really the, the sort of the thing. right so so the space the space bridge that we get the, the 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 decepticons use does not work you see the the little space car that it's that's supposed to shoot into it and then shoot up you see it fall down and the whole thing explodes and you're going to pay attention to that because that is the exact same uh, animation frames that they use most other times they use the space bridge, despite the fact that it works every other time, uh, despite the fact that the first time you ever see it, it fails. I find that very funny. I don't know. But uh, we get we get back into it and there there's really not a lot going on. The, the although eventually the Decepticons get some Energon cubes back to back to to Cybertron and. <sighs> Megatron ends up going to to Cybertron and then coming back from Cybertron as part of this process. But again, well, he didn't he didn't come back in this episode. Oh, does he come back in the next episode? Oh, you're right. Yeah, because because for what Starscream thinks that Megatron got killed, so he was like, "Ha, Megatron's dead. I'm the leader now." And then just which, like pieces out, which is fun. I do like I do like Starscream in charge. It's a fun thing for me. Uh, but again, it's, I it's I fun until he's 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 as successful as Megatron is. <laughs> but but so this is one of those things where where I want to talk about these early episodes because there's so much that happens for so little to happen, and 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 to the point where I completely forgot that this episode ends with Megatron being thrown off the planet, and you know, it, it but it's solved immediately in the next episode, so it doesn't really matter. It, uh, no, no, it's just it, it's fun. Um, one of the things that is interesting to me, because I don't think we saw this in the, in the prior episodes, is sometimes I feel like they just make weapons up because in this episode, Mega, Me- Me- Mega Man, Megatron shoots saws now. Yeah, there's always something that happens. It's, it's just these kinda... weird little energy saws. He just pops out and and you know i'm fun i'm I'm gonna go on the ride with you hasbro but like sometimes you just gotta call a spade a spade like they're just they're they're making stuff up as they go along sometimes (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's like the one the one that we didn't talk about i don't think last week because i I got sidetracked by the audio weirdness is when they both busted out these like energy like oh um Optimus had this energy axe and uh, Megatron had something the, else. The energy they had this, mace. Those, those weapons yeah. are those weapons are super popular because they come back a couple of times. They like if you get and like, they look cool and they look cool. Yes. And uh, we did talk about that a little bit, but uh, did we? OK. But again, it was in that episode that <sighs> still disappointed. That should not be named. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> even though we won't stop talking about it. <laughs> That's my bad. <laughs> But, uh, uh, so let's move on to the to the next episode. Roll for it. Yeah, we're going to roll for it. This episode is notable for for Optimus Prime telling the Autobots to roll so many times, but never using the iconic roll out phrase. And it bothered me so much it when that happened. bugs the crap out of me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so the, in, in this, I also like that this this episode opens up with the cops trying to stop the Decepticons. Like that whole sequence is hilarious to well, so, me. So this, is, and I, I, I think they, I think they have some like funny like put downs to the, the Decepticons too. This episode is weird because like all the humans are now one hundred percent aware that the Decepticons exist, who they are, and that they we have need like to fight Megatron them. posters and everything. <laughs> yeah, well, the Megatron poster comes up in a couple episodes. That comes up in the next one with the. Uh, 
<laughs> the enemy stamped on it, which I, I find very, very funny. But th- this episode involves uh, Megatron coming back from Cybertron and trying to get the formula for antimatter, because once they get the formula for antimatter, they can basically have limitless energy or crazy amounts of energy to take back to Cybertron and conquer Cybertron and conquer the galaxy. This is where I get into a little bit of weirdness because Megatron mostly just wants to conquer Cybertron until he then wants to conquer the galaxy. But I don't know. Does it really matter? But no. This episode, I mean, he he always says, like, I'm going to, you know, basically suck the earth dry, go back to Cybertron and rule the universe, like almost in that order. Uh, So in this episode, it opens up with Starscream in control and Starscream in command. And I love Starscream in command of things. It makes me laugh. It's (laughs) fun. He he is obviously no nowhere near as good as Megatron is in these situations, but who cares? Because it's fun. Um, but as part of this, these opening moments, Optimus Prime is damaged. He's hurt. Mm-hmm. And what are you gonna do? No, it's not. That's not this episode. That's the next episode. Gosh, I'm doing it again, Miles. You gotta stop me from doing this. <laughs> <laughs> this is the antimatter so, episode. Um, I, I'm, yeah, this, they, they, this is my he, this is my Starscream fault. bungle. <laughs> so uh, this is the one with uh, Chip. This yes. is where we get introduced. This to Chip. is the introduction of Chip, uh, uh, who is Spike's friend, who is in a wheelchair, which is important because they never let you forget that Chip Chase is in a wheelchair. Um, and uh, oh, but he's he's got that mantra though. Yeah, that that mantra that is uh, that's in a couple of episodes. Uh, Oh, no, does he say it more than once? No, that's it's not. No, I just mean it's a couple of episodes from now when when he says that mantra. Uh, Oh, 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 my bad. No, no, I know. I know it is. But like that, that that mantra is rough. This was this was the 80s when you had to when the when the the choice for inclusion to make sure that there was a you know, everybody had a voice. There were a lot of kids in wheelchairs that would show up in 80s cartoons. You saw this in the BK Kids Club. What were they called, Miles? Uh, yeah. The, the Yeah, the BK Kids Club. Um, but his name was Wheels. Yeah. And the okay. thing, here, here's the it's thing. Okay. The, the thing that Chip says isn't necessarily a bad thing. It's just there's something off about it. Because he, what he says is no one's ever really disabled as long as they have courage, so, which uh, but the, the heart's the, in the right place. The the reason that that line is so bad is not because of what Chip says. It's because. Right. And, and this is from the next episode. We're going to sp- jump forward a little bit. The 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 Autobots and Chip have to go to Cybertron for something and they're caught in a bunch of acid rain. And all of the mm-hmm. Autobots are getting negatively impacted by this awful acid rain, despite the fact that Chip, a human, is totally fine. Whatever. Uh, but the uh, but yeah, the, that, that that bothered me greatly. <laughs> but but the but the Autobots are like, ugh, ugh, can't function. Processors down. We're disabled. We're disabled. We're disabled. To which. Disabled. To which Chip responds, no one's ever really disabled as long as he has courage, which is not a bad thing to say. It's just. I don't know. It's it's, it's weird. There is weird phrasing to it in 2021 that doesn't work. for Yeah, it's just it it, it just it feels icky. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So, uh, so anyway, to get back to, to this episode, <laughs> Chip, Chip is Chip. I will say I like Chip as a character a lot. He's a he, great character. He he's he's smart. He's funny. Like he's always involved in the situations. He is smart enough to hack into <laughs> hack into Decepticons with the computers like they do. They, they they make floppy disk jokes and things like that in these episodes, which are funny. But, you know, 2021. Yeah, they're, but, they're but, pretty great. <laughs> Chip does nothing but add to the stories here. Um, I, 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 mm-hmm. I joke about, you know, how how they they make sure to highlight his disability fairly frequently. But otherwise, when they're not highlighting his disability, 
he's just as much a part of everything else as any other character. It's not, you know, which is, which is honestly pretty good representation. I'm going to say, um, yeah, I, I think I think the way that Chip is done, honestly, is one of the better examples of a character with disabilities who is a a supporting character. I mean, he's a main character in this episode, but I, he, and he sticks I, around. He, he sticks but, around. He He's he's I mean, he's one of three humans that the Transformers <laughs> that the Autobots hang out with. I think they continue adding to that list as the show goes on, but. He's definitely I mean, he's a big part of the next three episodes. So I would say that that. Yeah, he's, and he's. I would say he's, he's just a really good character. I think that he's uh, fleshed out. I think he's he's I think the problem with some of these kid characters, especially in the mid 80s, is there is this um, constant attempt to make them seem cool or hip but by doing so makes them seem the opposite it's very very hello fellow kids and chip honestly just seems a super smart kid he does he reads that way which is great and and this is where so we talked about this episode there's an antimatter formula megatron wants it chip has the bright idea oh well the decepticons can just take the computer and get the formula so I'll memorize it, destroy the floppy disk that it's on, and we're good. And then the weirdest thing happens, and this is something that bothers me about this episode. Chip is then oh, captured. I think I know what you're talking about. It, it Chip pisses is then, me off. Chip is captured by the Decepticons. <laughs> Soundwave lights up his fingers, touches Chip's head, and has apparently gotten the antimatter formula from Chip's memory. How did they do that? How did that happen? How did like that work? I said, they're making up powers as they go along because that doesn't make any sense with Soundwave's apparent capabilities. It doesn't make sense, period. Like I, that that scene, honestly, out of everything that we have watched so far, that completely took me out. I, like, I, I understand that I'm supposed to just like sit down and enjoy the, car- the cartoon and, and want some toys, which, hey, mission accomplished already. Like as we have these conversations, I've got like my finger on the trigger of like four different Transformers toys. That's not the problem. But like even as a kid, even if I saw that as a kid, I would be asking, how did that happen? I, it, it bothers me so much because what Chip decided to do is so clever and i'm like bro chip that's exactly what you need to do and then it completely doesn't work and chip blames himself for it not working it's like no man no that you're good bro like yeah bothered me so much um this episode does also end with uh with two of my favorite Transformers, uh, Sideswipe and Sunstreaker. These are the two Lamborghinis. Yes, there are two Lamborghini uh, Transformers. I, I love them Lambos. Uh, Sideswipe, who is the red Lamborghini to Sunstreaker's yellow, is actually called Lambor in Japan. That's uh, his Japanese name, um, which is especially funny when he was released as part of the Alternators line, which I mentioned earlier, as a Honda S2000. <laughs> but uh, anyway, uh, they get to do some they they jump up and they're basically like surfing on the the seeker jets and i love that so much that they're just kind of like riding around and they're doing these daredevil things cuz this is the the first time they've gotten to do stuff and that's what we're starting to see in these next few episodes these same transformers so far roughly have been in the episodes that we've seen so far but they 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 are focusing on different ones to give them a chance a little time to shine you know oh if you saw mm-hmm. sunstreaker uh riding on the back of thundercracker then you could recreate that with your toys at home if you wanted to and it'd be cool and fun um it would look a little blockier but it it worked um so yeah this this episode honestly is where i see a turn happening in this show uh, and and we're five episodes in and I'm seeing a turn towards more of what I remember about the Transformers, that I remember it being more fun and less. I don't want to say dumb, but maybe I want to say dumb. I don't know, Miles. Uh, I don't think that's the right 
I don't think think that's the right. I think that it, the writing becomes sharper. They have stories to tell. I think the, the initial first three episodes, I mean, it falls into a lot of the introduction stuff. Same, same as uh, master the universe with their, their opening mini comics there. It, it, it just seems directionless. It seems like they've, they've got an idea, but they don't really know where to take it properly. And I think what's, I think they had to get them to earth. They had to, they had to explain the the big dumb space fight to explain why these robots were on planet earth and how we get more on planet earth. I think once that happens, you can start really telling the stories they want to tell. Mm. Yeah. For, for, for me at least. Uh, so let's move on to episode, uh, episode six, divide and conquer. Uh, so the, we open up in a weapons factory a weapons factory that where the humans are making weapons uh, to fight the Decepticons. Uh, and Chip, our buddy Chip, is there inspecting the facility where uh, where the administrators are hoping they can they can create some new weapons with the Autobots help. But suddenly the Seekers and I'm still I start calling them the Seekers. These are the sort of the the the, the fan term for them. It's so far there will be more Seekers, but so far it is Starscream thundercracker and skywarp the the three jets uh and they they show up and they start attacking and blowing up the weapons and <laughs> it's so much fun now this is where some weird things happen miles did you notice anything odd in this opening fight scene um like what like all of a sudden all three jets looked like Starscream <laughs> when they weren't yes. supposed to. <laughs> so I, I had a, I had a little confusion and and Drew was quick to point this out where it's like, oh, they have variants so they can just have other robots. And I, I took it as, oh, there was maybe some color correction gone wrong or, you know, this uh, a green guy added by accident. No, well, this that's different. That happens later in the episode. I'm talking in the beginning of this episode. Because the, uh, the, you have to keep in mind. These three seekers are identical in their their robot models. They are just different colors. So you have Skywarp who can apparently teleport behind people. And when he teleports, he goes from his purple Skywarp body to looking like Starscream for (laughs) five frames before he gets his regular color scheme back (laughs) and like we talked in the in in the in last week's episode that they had a four month turnaround time for these episodes just wild four months for animation in 1984 that is that's a short amount of time if you know animation because this again not in the days of any computer animation this is all hand-drawn stuff and mistakes are made constantly. There are just so many. Um, and I think it's from an age where, like, if you see it on the television screen, whether it's a mistake or not, it is a canonical thing. It exists and we accept it. <laughs> much like how the Transformers, much how when Soundwave is uh, 15 feet tall when he's standing there, but he turns into a little tiny boombox that just... <laughs> sits in the background somewhere. Well, he's he's the tape recorder. The boombox is Blaster, isn't he? Yeah, he is. I, I he is the tape recorder. Sorry, Blaster hasn't been introduced yet, so forgiveness. But uh, anyway, uh, so in this episode, we have something that uh, so the the of course the Seekers are attacking this weapons base, but Optimus Prime is on the scene and he's there to solo fight against these bad guys. And he's doing a pretty good job until he gets shot. And uh, I kind of forgot that this happened in this episode uh, because I am more familiar with what happens in Transformers, the movie, movie. <laughs> <laughs> which uh, yeah. we might get there eventually. But uh, yeah, this this whole se- sequence of events was awesome because one you get you got Optimus Prime taking on a number of Decepticons and holding his own for a little bit until they finally get a good hit on him, and of course, even before that, when the, when the mission's going right for Starscream, and he's talking to Megatron, he's like, "Aren't you going to commend me?" And it's just like, "Dude, you're up here, and I need you. I need you down here." <laughs> 
<laughs> but um no i i think the the whole the whole bit with um megatron or uh, oh that's what ha- happens he, he gets attacked and then the computer is gonna blow and so optimus is like I will shield you and just stands in front of the, the computer as, as the worst shield ever. Like he does he, <laughs> no cover. He just stands there. Zero cover prime. And then he, he gets blown up and then shot to stuff. Um, and I, I mean, it's, it's a really good opening sequence because when you're, I keep like thinking like my my mindset watching this as a kid for the first time. And I think it's important because like a lot of the cartoons that you're we, we watch, you don't see the main characters get really hurt that often. They might get weak or they might get captured, but to actually get really hurt, which Optimus is. And this is uh, what, three years before the movie? Yeah, I think two years, I think. Maybe it's it. It's pretty intense because, you know, they're like, oh, he might not make it. And they, they, they're like, can you transform? Oh, I can try. And they, they get him to the base and he's so, on the and operating this, table. And this is, this is where things get even weirder because for most cartoons, okay, they've got him on the operating table. Now what are they going to do? Well, of course, Megatron doesn't trust that Starscream has killed Optimus Prime. So they send Laserbeak out, uh, Soundwave's little bird. Laserbeak somehow Laserbeak can always get into the Autobots headquarters. I don't it, know how it they, infuriates me every time. Install a door, Optimus. All you need is a door. Thank you. I, I, a lock, anything. I, I was getting so frustrated. And I remember pausing this episode and, and walking to uh my 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 buddy uh i work with who is a massive transformers fan and having to close his door and his office door and sit down for like three minutes to just complain about (laughs) the fact that the autobots have they have no defenses they half the time they stand in in, out in the quarry for no reason (laughs) speaking loudly so that he can be recorded it if i i get that we are we are making plot points for a kid's show i get that it just it frustrates me to no end because i find it very condescending to the audience (laughs) but even still this is when laserbeak pulls a pro gamer move I call the it a baller play. move. So, so laser, laser beak is, is staring at Optimus Prime on this table. The Autobots finally notice that laser beak is in the room. And what does laser beak do? He shoots drops Prime a- in the chest and then flies away. <laughs> and that explosion looks awesome. It's so well animated. And honestly, Optimus should, should have been dead already. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, years before I was extremely impressed by that. And it's a great cut to commercial moment because it's like, boom, Optimus has been shot to hell and he's already like we've already established he's in critical danger. So, I mean, this was just such a well executed moment, despite the <laughs> the lapses in judgments on several characters yeah. parts. Uh, it's so- it's still plays out very cool. So so Optimus Prime needs a, a new component. Uh, I forget the specific component. It's called like a Cosmo something. Sci- uh, I forget what it was called. They, they they make up their words like Astro Seconds and stuff, and I I just accept them and move on. <laughs> they also refer to Optimus as Laser Core. There's a bunch of a bunch of nonsense, uh, but the 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 only replacement part that Jazz has, or excuse me, Wheeljack has, because Wheeljack is also helping Ratchet for some reason, um, is in his lab on Cybertron rut row. And it's also been locked by the Decepticons rut row. So they need somebody who has the brain capacity of something like Teletran one, the Autobots computer on their ship to break into the computer. Well, who's got a, who's got a brain like that miles. Oh, your boy chip chase. Of course he does. So in this episode, the Autobots are going to sneak onto the sky bridge and go to Cybertron to get, this component which is just fun that's a fun thing and i like it and this is where i want to take a little side trip because the way the autobots find it is because starscream 
is using it to send some energon cubes back to Cybertron. And he's doing this by throwing one of the reflector soldiers into into the, the car and sending him. Now, Miles, are you familiar with reflector so far in this show? Mm. No, he's I'm not going to lie. <laughs> he's shown up a few times, and this is something that I have. Only, oh, I believe it. I'm just I'm just <laughs> this is something I lose track of some of these guys. This, this is something that that I have only noticed uh, watching the show now. Uh, because I had Reflector as a toy. So what Reflector is uh, in the toy is it's three different robots that combine together to form a camera. Which which Reflector does in this show. You will know the character Reflector because of all of the robots that look very similar to him as the kind of purple and gray robots. Reflector himself is the one that has the center part of the camera, the, the lens that would pop out. Right. So I know of Reflector being three things, the two side pieces and the main thing. Well, in this show, there's one Reflector who was the main guy and like a hundred Reflector soldiers that <laughs> that he leads, which is a new <laughs> revelation to me. Um, but I also want to tell a little side trip. Again, this is a, another Transformers toy side trip with Drew. Um, I loved the Reflector Transformer growing up for a couple of reasons. It felt special because it was not one that you could just buy in a store. You had to send off for it. So you had to collect, you had to collect these things to clip off of different packaging and then ship off. And they would, they would send you reflector uh, for shipping and handling is at least is how I remember it. Uh, and this used to be a thing they would do in the eighties. Like is every, every little, every transformer, that you would get, you know, peel that off the card and and you'd clip out the thing, and you'd mail it off. Well, it was a camera and my dad was a professional photographer. So what does a professional photographer use? Cameras. So I loved this transformer because it let, helped me feel closer to my professional photographer father. And, uh, you know, I don't think he ever really kind of got why I was so into it. I don't know that he made that connection between the two things. Um, but, uh, it, it, it was so great because you got it and like, it would actually click, like you could, you could press down on the button and uh, it's in the other room. I should have brought it here, but, um, you wouldn't have been able to see it cause it's an audio podcast. Miles would have been able to see it. And, uh, yeah, right. <laughs> but the button is sticking now, which, which bugs me. And, and I think I'm missing some pieces and, uh, it had a little flash that you would stick onto the other side of the other head of the other robot that would shoot a missile. And that missile hadn't worked in 20 years. But, uh, I, I love, I, I will always love Re- reflector. Uh, one of my favorites. Um, yeah. That's anyway, cool. back to the episode. So, the the Autobots, uh, the little small team of Autobots, I think it's Ironhide and Bumblebee and, and a couple others and and our boy Chip Chase, they go to Cybertron uh, and they sneak in right past Shockwave. He's <laughs> like, what are the Autobots doing here? And of course, he then sends out some brand new seekers that we have never seen before. They are not named on the screen. They are, but they are bright green, bright yellow, and like a neon blue. And these are the Rainmakers. They only appear in this episode, and they're never seen again. And they still have the old Cybertronian look. They're the triangle ships instead of looking like an F-15 fighter jet. And they create acid rain. And this is where I find the Transformers fandom to be so interesting and, and fun, because... Those characters appeared on screen, meaning like every background character in Star Wars, they have a whole story, a whole backstory and a whole line of toys now that they never had back in the 80s, (laughs) (laughs) which just makes me laugh. Uh, The Green Rainmaker, I want to say he's now known as Acid Storm and there's Ion Storm and the other one. And I like that. They're barely animated, but like. You can you can now get just like whole like you you can find all of these all of these toys for them and they're all like this crazy neon green and like there was even one for tra- for Transformers War for Cybertron that came out last year that <laughs> that came out. Um, 
I almost bought a star screen from that same line as I look at all these things. But, uh, but yeah, that's one thing that I like about Transformers fans is that they're willing to make a, they're willing to, to give a backstory to everything. A lot, a lot of the ones that we might talk about are con exclusives or bot, like BotCon in particular, which is a Transformers convention that I've never been to, but uh, sounds kind of fun. Um, yeah. Anyway. Um, so, so there's acid rain. The Autobots are inspired by Chip's phrase that we talked about earlier about no one is ever really disabled as long as they have courage and he and they they suddenly <laughs> one of them realizes they have a, an energy shield that will shield them from the acid rains like why didn't you use that before the acid as the acid rain was starting before you got all messed up bro come on anyway uh and they get the piece and optimus prime is saved and that is the end of the episode um I don't know what else to say more about that one, Miles. But there's not a whole lot to say about it. Um, <sighs> no, no. I mean, that, that, and that's the, that's the kind of the, the one thing about some of these episodes is while there are high points, like this one just kind of fizzles out. I feel like like when when Starscream hangs Mega, uh, Megatron out to dry with his one on one combat with Optimus and then <laughs> Optimus is basically say uncle Megatron says uncle and they're like all right we're leaving like there's no resolution so it's like everyone just agrees to go home <laughs> and but but that feels like a Saturday morning cartoon so I I can I can allow it that um where I get a little more picky with how sometimes that stuff is done is probably the best episode that we've watched so far uh fire in the sky all right so this is the last episode we watched for this week. And there was some confusion because we were basing our viewing of the episodes that we were talking about on the Wikipedia Transformers episode list. That list is incorrect as far as what we've seen in other places. We thought I thought this was going to be the Dinobot episode. It was not. That's going to show up next week. But this episode is a whole other one that I cannot wait to have this conversation about, which is going to be interesting to me and probably no one else. But this episode is Fire in the Sky, and it is one of the most compelling Transformers episodes. It's, I, it's, it's an excellent episode. I would hazard to say, despite the fact that there were ep other episodes of this show that aired <laughs> during Christmas, um, that, uh, although you know it's funny, the 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 episodes that we were watching in are must be in production order and not in broadcast order because this episode was aired on December 8th and episode eight was aired on October 27th. So this is a production order versus. Uh... Well, we're, we're also going by. So the the official Transformers Wiki has a specific um, line of episodes to be, which is what we are watching on, uh, which is a officially licensed. To, to be is going by production order and not broadcast order. Right. So that is what we are going by. And the thing is. So far, it hasn't really mattered. And it won't. Honestly, it really won't. Because, you know, it won't. So anyway. Um, so this episode starts as Spike is hanging out, seeing, oh, the world's biggest snowman. Ah, but it's don't really... you mean snowbot? Oh, jazz. Ah, and then there are the worst snow puns in the history of television. Uh, <laughs> yep. There's so many, so many terrible, terrible snow puns. Uh, and, and like everyone's having fun times. And, and then except Spi Optimus. And then Sp because because then Spike drops a bomb. Spike's like, I can't believe that we're in the middle of a snowstorm in the desert in july right bum, bum, bum. so as it turns out the decepticons and this is probably the biggest the biggest leap in logic that this show makes and i'm talking about <laughs> and i'm i'm comparing this to the ruby mines of whatever from last week it's 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 pretty egregious uh so the decepticons are siphoning energy into energon cubes from the earth's core 
somehow through a giant green crystal that they do not explain what it is in the Arctic Circle. And mm-hmm. that is making the rest of the planet cold. Um, they never say that it's making the rest of the planet cold. We're just meant to understand. Make that, that connection. As the Decepticons are drilling and, and finding other places to siphon off Energon, they come across a robot. And this is where the episode gets interesting. Mm-hmm. They, they dig out this robot. And wouldn't you know it, this is a robot that Starscream knows. First off, he's gigantic. He's twice as tall as all of the other Decepticons. He's this big, uh, big dude with with wings and looks like he's going to turn into some kind of a plane. And as it turns out, this is someone that Starscream knew before he became a soldier when he was still a scientist. Yes, Starscream was a scientist. How do we know? Because he said it. Do we know what he studied? No, we don't. Because well, they he only... seems explore too. Yeah, they, like but, so, so. So we find out that this this uh, uh, robot called Skyfire was a scientist alongside Starscream that were exploring prior to the big wars between the Autobots and the Decepticons. They were exploring places to get more energy for Cybertron, and one of the places that they explored was the planet earth but then there was a, a a snowstorm and something happened and skyfire was thrown into the into the ice and snow and starscream circled the planet looking for him and looked for him and looked for him and couldn't find him and had to leave him for dead and flew back to cybertron only to find him and be re- reunited with him like 6 million years later <laughs> cuz remember it was 4 million years at least from the first episode of the show <laughs> to the middle of the first episode of the show. Yeah. Which I, I, I'm just letting that whole factoid uh, pass by uh, purely because earlier when they, they make the whole uh, star bridge when shockwave uh, pops up and starts talking to Megatron as if like Megatron had been gone for two weeks. Yeah. And not 4 even, million years. We didn't even talk about that. Did not even talk about that. Four million years have passed and Cybertron looks exactly the same. Now, granted, wouldn't it with robots that are functionally <laughs> immortal? Possibly. But we also I mean, apparently everything's just been a complete stalemate since then. Nothing's changed. Like it feels like they've been gone for like a, a, a spring break, you know? I mean, it feels like all of the Autobots left and all of the Decepticons stayed. I don't know. We'll get into that Hung later. around. But what I what I what I liked about this this little bit is like because they find him and Megatron's like, why are you why are you specifically so focused on this robot? And that's when we get the I knew I knew this guy, you know, I knew him once a long time ago on Cybertron. And he gives this whole little uh, spiel, you know, before before our last row with the Autobots, you know, we were explorers and all this stuff. It's and it's the first time you hear Starscream really speak without being super melodramatic, which I thought was really kind of hammered the emotional impact of finding this character had on him. I wish this episode paid off better in that respect. Well, so so as the episode goes on, we. We learn a little bit about uh, about Skyfire and that. He he kind of questions uh, Starscream a lot about, you know, why he became a soldier because he was a scientist and I thought he cared about discovery and, and, and exploration and. And and Starscream sort of counters back, but I love being a soldier. It's it's fun and there's glory and all of these kind of things and something that, again, if we think that there has been literally millions of years since they have seen each other, even before he was knocked out for four million years there's at least two million years between the two things that happen there's a lot of that can change about a being in that time if the right things happen Mm -hmm. and it's it's interesting and it's fascinating especially when they have a big battle the autobots are terrified of this new decepticon that uh because of course skyfire doesn't know the autobots he doesn't really know the decepticons he just knows that he's been told that the autobots are terrible and uh 
And so he's going to attack the evil Autobots. So they get in this big battle and Spark, uh, uh, Spike and Sparkplug are, are stranded on this, this sort of little iceberg floating off. And Skyfire goes to help them because he, they're not involved in the battle. And why would he hurt them? And they're terrified of him. And the Autobots don't want him to hurt the, the humans. And Skyfire decides to take the 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 humans back to the safety of the Decepticons because they'll be safer from the evil Autobots there. And I'm not going to hurt you. I'm going to take it back to my to my bros, the Decepticons, to which, of course, <laughs> Megatron then says that they're going to eliminate them once they once they're no longer useful. Uh, and- yeah, Skyfire is is a uh, just a big, sweet, dumb, dumb. And I. But for me, this elicits not feelings of honestly, uh, uh, yeah, feelings of pity because he's so innocent to war. He doesn't understand what's going on. He like truly doesn't. So like that's why he doesn't see the deception in the Decepticons because hey, this guy was my friend. Like that, the, the last thing I remember was looking at this planet with my friend. So yeah. why why would my friend lie to me? And that's what makes it kind of weirdly heartbreaking when it is when so so the Autobots go in to tr- rescue the humans. They crash through the ice because Ironhide's got too much lead in his <laughs> in his caboose, which is a very funny line. <laughs> uh, and they get captured, and Starscream's like, "And you, Skyfire, get the opportunity to execute these Autobots." And Skyfire doesn't want to do it because they haven't done anything wrong in his opinion. Right. To which Starscream yells at him that he's a traitor and flies off and then blasts the Autobots there. Of course, we find out that there were a hound hologram and their Autobots are all fine, at which point it still bugs the crap out of me that hound makes the holograms and not Mirage. Well, Mirage can turn. I understand it's a different power set. It's just like based off his name, I'm like, well, why isn't he making the holograms? It's because Hound literally has the thing on his shoulder that can project them. That's what I'm presuming. Anyway. Um, but yeah, and so of course, at that point, Skyfire switches sides. He becomes an Autobot. He decides he's not gonna going to attack the Decepticons directly, but he is going to try to stop them and and destroy their 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 mining operation and in the process gets buried under the ice and snow and there is a a kind of eulogy and you know the everybody's a bit emotional because they they lost their new friend who saved them and helped them uh and they'll never see him again for two more episodes right um because he's a robot (laughs) <laughs> well, not just that, but I mean, I mean Jetfire is a very, very popular Transformer. Um, and, and they did a uh, similar story, is, I think. That's in, not, that's not, this is not Jetfire. This is Skyfire. It's short, Drew. Um, so, so, this is, so this is where, Miles, I, 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 I talked to you about this beforehand because I asked you what you knew about Skyfire, and you said nothing. And now I'm worried. Well, that I, like actually, I said, I, I did say... Nothing off the top of my head. Because I, I like I said, I watched the the Netflix trilogy and they replicate parts of the transition story for for Skyfire. So let's talk about Skyfire because Skyfire's got kind of a cool design. It looks neat. He it does. It's yeah. very cool. So let's say it's ni- it's it's 1984 and you're like, oh, yeah, I want to get that Skyfire toy, man. Where can I get it? Miles, do you know where you could get that toy? Where? Nowhere. Uh-oh. It did not exist. What did what a exi- wasted opportunity. <laughs> what did exist, however, is a toy called Jetfire. Now, this miles, this is a little more of a visual reference. So if you if you want to follow along, I want you guys mm-hmm. to, to, to go to your web browser and I want you to Google Transformers G1 Jetfire. So, Miles, I want you to click the 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 spoiler tagged image in Discord that I have sent you. Mm-hmm. This is the Jetfire toy that was released. Looks dope. It does look dope. 
does it look familiar? It looks, yeah, it does look familiar. <laughs> so Jetfire is another one of those toys. Like I mentioned at the beginning of the episode when we talked about Shockwave that was licensed from another company. This mm-hmm. is not a, a Diaclone toy made by Takara. Much like Shockwave was not a Diaclone toy. This toy was made by a company called Takatoku. So, Miles, I want you to scroll down just a little bit more, and I want you to click the second spoiler-tagged image. I already know where this is going. (laughs) Okay. All right. Jetfire is a recolored Macross VF-1S Super Valkyrie. (laughs) One of my favorite robot designs of all time. Yeah. May, but because of the way that they license the toys, Jetfire, because Hasbro had the license to 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 use the Takatoku VF1S to make Jetfire, but did not have the animation rights because the animation rights were owned by a different company uh, that would eventually release Robotech and all the sorts of things. So in the meantime, they had to make something else. So Jetfire became Skyfire. They could not use the term Jetfire on screens because of because it didn't clear the 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 licensing stuff. And of course, they couldn't release uh, they couldn't, you know, it, it became this weird thing. And it it's one of those things. I never had a Jetfire toy. I wish it did because it's a VF1S and I love VF1S's. Uh, it is right. a very it's a very cool color scheme that it's it's kind of red and and white and and with a little bit of black instead of uh instead of the the mostly white and uh they did snub the nose a little bit it's a little less pointy it's a little more rounded but uh but yeah that is another one of the 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 weirdness of of what hasbro was doing back in the 80s trying to get these toys made it was years before a skyfire specific toy was made um I can't remember the specific year, but I want to say it was post year 2000 when a, an actual Skyfire toy got made, uh, which is pretty wild and just another weird little wrinkle in the Transformers world when it comes to this episode, which is probably the best episode of the show we've seen so far. It is certainly the most meaningful. It doesn't get all wrapped up at the end of the episode. Absolutely, it does. Is that okay? Yeah. Because it was fun and it had a heart and it gave some of our characters a little more to do and a little it, more it, backstory and cool stuff. It does. And I understand the time in which it was written. They weren't going to do this. But I think that this episode also fails Starscream because it falls back into the black and white one dimensional bad guy. They op- they had an opportunity to do something really interest- interesting and showing maybe some conflict within the character to like you know, attack his old friend and for him to just kind of gleefully like, ah, ha, ha, die, like immediately, like on a dime that it, it bugged me. And and it's not know. that I it makes the episode any worse because that it kind of works in a weird way, because keep in mind, it's literally been millions of years and Starscream is a different being than he used it's to. It's been millions of years, but also he's been asleep for millions of years, too. But like I said, but even so, so, but like I'm saying, even if you look at the timeline of it, and I, I looked at the timeline, the when when Skyfire and Starscream went off to explore Earth was two million years before the start of the show. So there's already a two million year gap. Star, Skyfire has been in these ice in this ice for six million years. Yeah, I. That's fine. I just. I just did not uh, that that part didn't resonate with me as much because I felt that they kind of could have done something interesting with with Starscream and they chose not to. Whereas all the all the the Skyfire stuff was awesome. And like I like that they've kind of like taken back the Jetfire stuff. Um, I think in the in the most recent trilogy, like he is Skyfire when he is a Decepticon and when he joins the Autobots, he becomes Jetfire. Um, I think it's what they've done recently, but that tracks. I thought he was a great character. I like that he's this kind of pacifist scientist, even when he's attacking 
the Decepticons, he's not outright trying to like, you know, shoot them and blow them up and stuff. He's just trying to stop their plan and from harming innocent life. And I think that is so interesting and, and adding that kind of ethics to these alien robots that, you know, before we've just had, oh, these guys are good. These guys are bad. But to actually get to see a little bit more pathos behind it was extremely interesting. Skyfire introduces a shade of gray that we have not seen so far. And that's something that if this show was done in 1994 instead of 1984, it might have played a little differently. There might have been a little more to it. These episodes are interesting because we are getting more longer storytelling. And and that's, I think, where where I want to kind of end this episode that the first three episodes was a quite literal toy commercial. We were bored by it. Everything ran together. These episodes, while still very much being a toy commercial, including Fire in the Sky, a toy commercial for a toy that does not exist, uh, which I just find so funny and interesting. They they they're still they're doing more. They're do, they're doing different things and, and they're they're fleshing out the world and in, in, in telling longer stories than we were used to seeing and i am really excited to see how this plays out with the rest of these episodes because i went i walked away from these first three thinking oh man was this show as boring as i remember to be <laughs> but clearly no clearly there is some fun to be had with these episodes and i can't wait to see what's next so that yeah i'm really looking forward to seeing where where this goes um i'm I'm very much excited to see uh the dinobots again it's been so many years since i've gotten to tangle with those those fellas so so again um, we are going in production order not in in uh uh, broadcast order so these are the orders that they're on to be so these are the next we're going to do five episodes next week five it's going to be a big one we're trying to to space things out properly so we're going to do the next episode sos dinobots fire on the mountain run boy run war of the dinobots the ultimate doom part one and the ultimate doom part two ending on a cliffhanger because there is an ultimate doom part three that we will do week after next So that is where we are going to end this episode. This has been so much fun, Miles. Thank you for joining me. Oh, I've I've had a great time, and I think it, going further has definitely kind of stoked more the 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 Transformers passion. I mean, I was already looking at toys before, but like I've I've got a couple lined up that I'm probably absolutely going to get. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so with that said, we did get an email, uh, this week about watching transformers. We should, uh, we'll, we'll get that queued up for next week as we're running out of time tonight. But, uh, in the meantime, if you would like to find us, you can find us at the You can email us the more at gmail.com. That's the more at gmail. Dot com. You can tweet to us at the more you nerd and go to facebook.com slash the more you nerd. If you want to get dope decked out in some dope threads, that's the more you nerd dot threadless dot com. And now we will end the show as we always do with an Autobots nerd, nerd out. <laughs>